Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the new PL Principles and Leadership in Business, a podcast series. I'm Paul, host of the new PL, and I'm very grateful you've taken the time to listen today. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify or another platform and you like what you hear, please do take a moment to review us. It all helps with our ratings and our rankings. And if you'd like to ensure you never miss another episode of the new PL, go to principlesandleadership.com and subscribe. We'd love to have you as part of our community. We believe business needs a new PL, one that is as much focused on principles and leadership as it is on profit and loss, because we know. If your principles are right and aligned with your purpose and your leadership has a clear vision, focus, strength and empathy, then your business will be in profit and not loss in so many ways. This week on the new PL, I'm very pleased to be welcoming Billy Shewer to the show. Billy is a former world boxing champion who is now an entrepreneur and a personal performance coach and motivational speaker. Billy spent 20 years at the top of his field in arguably the most grueling and demanding sport there is boxing. During his professional career, he won the British, Commonwealth, European and IBO boxing titles in his weight. With over 23 years of boxing experience and 10 years of studying the art of science and being, Billy believes that boxing is a great metaphor for life. His experiences in the world of personal growth and change has helped him to develop the idea of mental boxing. So Billy, a very warm welcome to the new PNL Principles and Leadership in Business, the podcast series. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, my pleasure. Um, for all those listeners who may not be aware of your boxing career and what you do now, perhaps if you could uh, start the podcast by giving a bit of a potted summary into how you got to where you have today. Okay, a very quick overview. I started boxing when I was eight years of age. I had my first contest when I was 11. Mm-hmm. I became a national champion at 13, and then I represented my country, traveled around the world as an amateur boxer, decided to turn professional at the age of 21, had my first championship contest when I was 23, I won the British and Commonwealth title, I then lost it in my first defense, then I regained it, and then it was a roller coaster ride, it was up and down and round, and it got an incredible career. So throughout my professional career, I won the British, the Commonwealth, the European, and I won the World Championships on my fourth time of asking. So I failed three times. I was top of the bill in Las Vegas. So that was a, a journey in and of itself. So you, you became a world champion. You retired from boxing. I read your book, Man Up, in presentation for this conversation. That's the one. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah, baby. Um, You said that you went through your own sort of significant challenges after retiring, a a bit of an identity crisis and sort of discovering who Billy was outside the boxing ring. Um, I know that went on for a couple of years, according to your your book. I just wondered what the triggers were to to break that cycle, if you like, when you came out of that period. So I found the transition from being a professional athlete to life in the so-called real world a very difficult one. I went through an identity crisis because my whole life I've been Billy the Boxer, and now here I am, Billy, and who's Billy? I just didn't know who Billy was. Mm -hmm. Because I'd sacrificed, kind of, 
I'd given my whole existence to being a fighter. So I was all in pursuit, always in pursuit of championships, winning titles, and that was my life. And then when that was over, it's like, so now what? It was okay. like, now, so what's the next phase of my life? And I didn't really realize it, but I also really doubted I'd be that good at anything ever again. I've been a world champion. It's like, so, so now what? What do I do now? Yeah. And that was the challenge for me. So then, as you mentioned, the first two years of my retirement from boxing were the worst two years of my life. I went through, I had no focus. I lost my, I just dropped, took me, I dropped my guard. I took my eye off the ball because I had no focus. I had no focus anymore. Made lots of mistakes, got caught up in the last recession back in the 08. Mm -hmm. I um, got caught up in that. I wrecked my marriage, which ended up in divorce. I eventually become bankrupt. I lost everything. I crashed and burned. I felt like a complete failure. And it was when I hit the bottom, I hit, I hit rock bottom. I had a mental breakdown, mm -hmm. but breakdowns and mental health wasn't really discussed as openly yeah. as it is now, yeah. 18 or so years ago. And um, I felt as though I should be able to figure it out. I was a fighter. I was kind of, I felt embarrassed as well that I, sh I, sh I should be able to figure this thing out. But I yeah. struggled and I eventually hit the bottom. I crashed. And for some of us to wake up, we need a wake-up call. And mine was when I hit the bottom, I realized that what I'm doing and who I'm being just is not working. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the attributes, it was the paradox. What had me be a winner in the ring, a champion, was now having me fail outside in yeah. life. Yeah. So those winning attributes, I was aggressive, I was domineering, I was selfish, I was always right. It's like, rah, those, that... That thing that had worked so well in the ring just didn't work in life. Ask my ex-wife, she'll tell you. And it was, I just didn't know how to be any other way than Billy the Boxer. Yeah, yeah. And it, was until, it wasn't until I realized that I need to make some changes. That was, that was when things shifted for me. So then I started to go to work on myself. I eventually found the courage to reach out and ask for help. I got myself a coach. And I did hours and hours and hours of reading, coaching, seminars. I become a seminar junkie. I just I start to really pull back the layers of my identity yep. to discover who Billy was. And while I was going through that process, I was learning to how to coach and mentor and train others at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it was in that it was during that period that I realised how much that I love people, which really shocked me because I spent all my life bashing people up. Yes. Yeah. And then that was, I awakened to my life purpose. And that's to inspire and empower people mm -hmm. to live a life they love with passion, power, and purpose. Yep. So in my darkest moments, I found the light, which then set me on another path to be where I am here today. Yep. And, and honestly, I'm, Paul, I'm, I'm happier, more fulfilled, and satisfied than I've ever been, ever. And that's yes. who I am today. Yeah, yeah. Many, many self-help books and commentators suggest that the more you fail um, or fall, the easier it is to get back up because you, you recognise the process and you recognise it's not the end. But I do wonder whether that's entirely true. You know, you, although you learn from each failure, I guess it's also true for many that each failure leaves perhaps a little wound or a little takes a little chip away from you. And I wondered, in your role as a performance coach, how do you encourage your clients to take advantage of their wounds, if you like, and use them yeah. to their benefit. It's, 
fail your way to the top. But it, fail, failing is a funny word. It brings this language. It brings certain connotations. Failing, failure. I don't really view it as that. It's just you're in pursuit of something and you're going to fail. You're, you're mm. not going to get there first time, second time, or whatever that is. But it's, it's having the courage to go again yeah. in the face of defeat. So, I, so what, one of the things I talk about is KO fear. It's having the courage to confront and knock out your fear. Mm-hmm. If, you got, if you can fight, once you start to confront, challenge your fears, yourself, on a consistent basis, you will, you, will, you will overcome yourself to get the results that you want in life. And it's, it's learning from your defeats, your setbacks, and being mm-hmm. powerful in them and taking the lessons forward. Yes. But it takes courage to go again after, after the setbacks. And that's the bit that I acknowledge and admire in people, and which I, I did for myself, not only in the boxing ring, but in the boxing ring of life. So boxing is a great metaphor for life mm-hmm. and indeed business. You win some, you lose some. Yeah. I, yep. but how, how do you win more often? Because you yeah. can't win every time in life. You're not going to. Yep. But it's, if, we win, if we consistently win more often, we're going to win the game, whatever game that we're playing. Mm-hmm. So it's learning from those mistakes, failings, wh- however you want to phrase it, whatever that looks like for the individual, but it's just rising up again because it's not how many times you get knocked down, it's about how many times you get up, that old mm-hmm. saying. It's a yeah. great one. And that's the truth because whatever you're in pursuit of, it's going to take something. Yes. So, and if you're, if, you're, if you're not failing, maybe you're not, maybe you're not playing a big enough game. Yeah. Maybe you're not pushing your boundaries enough because if you're not failing or succeeding, then you maybe you're, you're, you're in your own limits. So, that, so then it comes down to what does the individual want? What do you really want? And is it outside of your comfort zone? I mean, I, I think as human beings, we like to make, keep making progress. Mm-hmm. So are you progressing somewhere towards something or something, whatever that, that yeah, looks yeah. like for you? Yeah. I think, I think for myself, it's, I'm happier when I'm making little, even if it's one step forward towards somewhere, something that I've, I've created and I'm moving towards it. And that's what has me so happiness, fulfillment and satisfaction. We can, yes. we can have that even in the face of not having what we want in life, yes. which is a mindset. It's an attitude. Yeah, it is. It is. You are. I'm all about 10 out of 10 life. So if you're not operate, operating at a 10, Let's have a look at what's not working in your life yep. and what area is that that's not working. And let's go to work on that. Let's dismantle that and get that moving somewhere. Yeah. So then it releases you to be a 10 out of 10 life. Yep. It's, a, it's a made up thing. I mean, I know we're going to talk about success. Success is a, it's a made up thing. Mm. What is success? You yeah. can't go and touch it. It's not real, is it? Yep. it it's just a perception. It's a, it's a, it's a made up thing, whatever that looks. So then we have to go inside ourselves and am I being a success? Am I successful? And then you have a look. Yeah. Are you moving towards, are you progressing? Then you, yeah, yeah you, are, you are a success. I think a lot of us put success as something over there in the future, winning a world title. Because I've done that. I was so attached to becoming a world champion. I got lost. I got lost in the attachment towards getting somewhere. Yeah. And then once I achieved it, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I didn't have a goal beyond the goal because yes. my life well, I was just so committed to that. So that's mm-hmm. the learning that I've got from that. 
You raise an interesting point. I, I interviewed a, another guest a few weeks back, Chris Vag, who is the founder of Pass It On Clothing. He works with the homeless on the streets of Australia. And his, I mean, he's an interesting case in point because his whole proposition is the dignity of choice. So rather than giving clothes, he puts out clothing racks and lets the homeless choose clothes because they have a dignity of choice. But as part of his program, he brings in entrepreneurs and high net worth individuals to initially mentor the homeless and give them, you know, an opportunity to, to rebuild their lives. What he found fascinating was that many of these high net worth individuals had their own mental health challenges that they felt inadequate if they earned 10 million because someone next to them earned 20 million. And he said what was incredible was that the homeless started mentoring them in terms of acceptance and stoicism and gratitude and, and so on. And I just wonder whether, you know, for a lot of business people, whether we have, or in our drive to succeed, we've lost sight of what success actually is. We're not measuring the little wins and the, and taking, having gratitude for those little things, but actually we're, we're continually striving, which is a great thing, but striving for something that isn't perhaps in line with what we should be looking for. What sacrifices, what, what's the cost of it? Now, if the cost for me to become a world chat, I, I sacrifice everything. All yeah. my relationships failed because I was so focused on becoming a champion. Mm -hmm. I was unconscious to anything else. So there was a big cost associated with me becoming a champion. And then there was yeah. a cost afterwards. So for us all, it's like, yeah, at what cost? And as we get a little bit older, a bit more wiser, we, we can see that differently. Yeah. And that's a great story about the homeless people. They've got so much to teach us. Everybody's got something to teach us. If we're willing to listen, yes. be open to having the, having the mindfulness to just discover newly things from, from other people's experiences. Yeah. Stories, that's how we learn. Right? We learn from people's Absolutely. stories. And then we've got the reality, our so-called reality, whatever that is for each and every one of us. And then what are we... Yeah, gratitude. I mean, that's a great way to start the day. I do that every day. Yep. And I just really get connected, go into my heart and set my day out with gratitude because what a great way to start the day. Yeah. And we can all do that. We can all find something that we're grateful for. Yep. And then if we, if, that's the, if we enter into the day with that, we've got a good chance of having a good day. Yep, absolutely. Go to sleep in a good mood because then you'll wake up in a good mood. Yeah, and then if I you agree. set that out with gratitude, if you do that consistently over time, if you did that every day for a week, seven days, a month, three months, you're building that muscle for you to then have a successful so-called day, life. Yep, yep. How, how do you work with your own clients and to, as a performance coach? How do you work with them to sort of define what success looks like? Because I guess whatever their um ambition is over your 12-week program or, or further along. Um, as you said earlier, you sort of had a goal and you had nothing beyond it. So how do you work with them to define what success looks like for them? So I position myself as a personal performance coach because performance is very, very personal for each and every one of us. So it's first and foremost, it's really eliciting what that is. And what they're looking, look what they're looking to achieve. What do they really want? And get clarity of that. So once people are clear, because not everyone's clear about that, we kind of think we are. Yeah. And then if we can nail that down, get that really clear, and then we just work out structures, strategies, and processes to put in place 
to succeed on that. So they so they were working on all areas of their lives, themselves personally, their, their business life, yep. and their life because they all coincide. They're all connected. Yep. So it's looking at what's not working, what areas are not working, and addressing those and getting underneath them. And it all comes down to the individual. It's, when you look in the mirror, it's like, I'm, what's not working? I'm not working. Yeah. We have yeah. to be fully responsible for that. So it's waking people up. Mm-hmm. Lots of us are unconscious. And I can only speak from my experience of myself. When I look at how my transformation from years ago to where it is now, it's, I'm a completely different person. Yeah. yeah. And that's available for every one of us if we're, if we're willing to. You, you, um, you studied ontology for a decade, the art of science and being. Um, can you talk me through how you, yeah. how you sort of put this in practice every day? And, and if listeners to this podcast want to start down that road tomorrow, where do they, where do they start with centering themselves a little bit more? So the, the ontological, ontology, yeah, the study of the art and science of being, I went and did a program called the Landmark Forum back in the day of 2003. Mm-hmm. And that's their study. So right. I, it rocked my world because I'd never really engaged. I, I, I've been a world champion. I've had sports psychology. I've had that experience, my own personal experience. But then when I, when I engaged in this conversation, and it was, it's, a, it's a conversation. It's a conversation about what it is to be a human being. So you're unveiling stuff about yourself and it's, um, and you're seeing yourself in others and how people are operating and how you operate your system of operating and how it works and how it doesn't work, what gets in the way. And it's just a a whole world. You're going and entering into a new realm of being. So that's what I discovered for myself. I, I was who I was being and what I was doing, which wasn't working for me at that point in my life. So I kind of woke up, I unveiled life and myself to myself. My life has never been the same since. And that was, it was such an experiential learning because that worked for me. Because at school, I didn't really get the linear kind of learning. I'm dyslexic, I struggled, I kind of, yeah. but with just by being in a conversation and that kind of study, it, it, it worked for me and my personality. Yeah. And that's the way that I generally work with people. You, at least on your site and your book, you, you, you tend to target, not exclusively, but um, largely sort of middle-aged men, let's say 45 to 55, 60. Um, I apologize for any of the 45-year-olds out there listening and uh, believe they're now fallen into middle age. Um, but why, why, this ac- why this bracket and why this gender? Why, why have you specifically looked at this, um, this section of society, if you like? So I've gone, I've created a club called the, the 40 plus club. So it's 40 plus. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got a Facebook group called the 40 plus club. And I've gone specifically for that, for that area because I'm in there and I can speak from experience yep. and speaking to those guys, a lot of them are stuck. So my mission in life is the transformation of the middle-aged man. Can you imagine right. what the world would be like if the man, the middle-aged man was willing to transform themselves? Yeah, yeah. I know there's a lot of women out there who would love that. <laughs> it's, the women want it for their men. They want to get their men transformed. And it's, um, 
it's just bringing another way of being to those guys because yeah. a lot because a lot of them are suffering they're stuck they're limited by themselves so i want i want to give them freedom to be truly themselves because the world would be a different place if yeah. the if the middle-aged man was free to be who they truly are i believe you've um again you've mentioned in, in some of the literature that some of these individuals you speak to they they are grateful that it's perhaps the first time in their life they've had an opportunity to express emotion on the level that they have with you and and be vulnerable um i'm the same age as you we grew up in an environment where um environment uh, emotion was frowned upon um you know you either you either got hard or went home sort of thing it was the um yeah. the next generations the sort of the y's and z's have a very different way of looking at things they have a far more empathetic and understanding and supportive environment for each other um i wondered in your view though where, where the balance is between you know between emotion and with that determination that you just have to get up and go and you have to take whatever those challenges are in but you still have to have the the strength and the stoicism as well as the empathy and the understanding where's the balance for that next generation it's um so the book i've, I've entitled the book man up which is a bit controversial because it's kind of frowned upon some people don't like that term man up and the reason i called it man up because it's not what you think it is so if you're if a boxer is telling you to man up you you naturally would think it would be be aggressive, be domineering, all that kind of world. But I'm not. It's completely the opposite. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about to be truly be a man and to man up is, is having the courage to be vulnerable, having those conversations that we, we sometimes can't have with people. That's what it is to truly be a man, I believe, and going beyond ourselves. But then also, we sometimes have got to take our role on and be the man. Yeah. We got we got to do whatever we got to do, and you could you could we could talk about this all day long about what's politically correct or whatever that is. But my view is yes, sometimes we got to be vulnerable with with our people in our lives. We can be that, but then it's drawing a line. Where is that line? And it's different. It's such an individual thing. Yeah. But then sometimes we we need to we need to provide and do what we've got to do and to be effective in life. And if that's being physical. If we need to be strong, if we need to do that, then we need to do that. Yeah. It's being having the being able to whatever's required at that time. It's having the verse. It's being versatile, which I wasn't when I was Billy the boxer. That that was all I knew. I didn't have the ability to be vulnerable or talk or listen or do anything like that because I didn't have that experience. I didn't know how to do it. It's only yeah. when I started to, it was a, I've learned, I've learned how to do it. So it's, it's a learned thing that I've taken on now. Yeah. And I, but I still can be the, the strength if needed. It's just finding yourself and finding, having the ability to show up. Cause there's so many facets to us. Yeah. Billy the boxer. Then there's, there's loads of facets to us all. So what, so it's being, having the ability to be mindful of what needs to be present when it needs to be present. Yeah. That's wisdom, right? It is absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, when, when you're in the ring or when you're a boxer, you you clearly have a team behind you. But ultimately, when you get in that ring, it's up to you. Um, when you're working with people, you're as a personal performance coach. They may be business people at one level or another. Um, 
it's very different when you're heading up an organization of 10, 100 or 1,000 people. So how do you translate those individual skills that you have in a boxing ring of resilience and courage um, and then translate them to those who may be leaders of teams and those who manage teams? How does the transition work in terms of resilience and courage in that area? We're dealing with people. So with people look after three people, 3,000 people, you're dealing with the individual. First and foremost, yeah. the principal person, that's the person who then is going to lead others or whatever role that. So they've got to be comfortable in their own skin and in their own being and their roles that they've chosen their roles. And if they're running a team of 3,000 people, they've chosen that role. So yeah. supporting them and empowering them to be the leader that they are the individual first and foremost, because we've all got our flaws, our failings, our insecurities. So it's dealing with those things that may be getting in the way of that person to be the best they can be, yeah. their true self. So it's unlocking and unleashing their true self to really go and so they can be fully expressed in whatever area it is that they're looking to be a success in or, or to, to fulfill their job role, whatever that may be, their life role, whatever that looks like. Because yep. we're, we're all just individuals. We're all human beings dealing with similar stuff. So, and it's just, it may occur different to other people, but yep. we're all just, we're all human beings dealing with our, our own thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And some of us, it occurs, deal with them, deal with them better than others. Yep. When men or women get to past 40 and into their 50s, we all have some pretty ingrained habits some of them are good habits, some of them are not so. Um, yes. How do we start to break down those bad habits of thinking and doing and, and get on a better road? Yeah, that's a great, it's a great way to look at things. First and foremost, again, it's acknowledging what's not working in your life. Yeah. So if your relationships are not working, which one specifically is not working? And then if you've got the willingness to go and have a look and dismantle what's not working, you'll always bring it back to you play a part in it. So whatever's not working, we are there. So we are playing a part in whatever's not working in our lives. So there's, there's something that we're responsible for. Yeah. It's not that that's something wrong. Just let's have a look and let's look at what's missing. Is there something missing in my, the way that I'm communicating or what, the way that I'm listening or not listening? So then once we start to get responsible at a calm kind of level, then, you, yep. then things will occur different. Yeah. And then yep. a new level of performance can arise in that, in that moment. Yep. A lot of us don't know how to do that because when somebody starts, we, we take it personally, but we think it's a criticism if we start to go inside and look at ourselves, especially if somebody's doing it for you. We may take it personally. We may, yeah, we get, we take it as criticism. Then we get, then we, then we, then we defend and resist that conversation, which doesn't get anywhere. Yeah. That, that creates friction. Mm -hmm. Then that resistance is then, then there's something in the way. Yeah. So taking whatever's in the way between people, organisations, getting that out of the way. It's the unspoken stuff. Yeah. If we can talk about the unspoken stuff, to disappear the unspoken stuff, then it allows for a new space to arise. Yep. In clarity, then we can both get clear on what's working, what's not working, what we're both looking to achieve, and get some sort of kind of alignment in what we're up to. 
Yeah. If you're in a team and your team's not aligned and you're not all going in the same direction towards the same thing, then there's going to be struggles. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be, we, we can see it throughout the world of what's going on. Yeah. You, you mentioned, or we discussed earlier about the, um, so the, the identity crisis you went through when you retired from boxing, you were Billy the Boxer up to that point. I wondered who, who Billy is today. What, what defines you today? What defines me today is I am who I am for myself and for the world. I am freedom, love, joy, and happiness. That's something that I've discovered for myself as I was going through my transition and all the training that I've done. I've done thousands and thousands and thousands of hours on this work, and I, I am it. And I am freedom, love, joy, and happiness for myself and everyone else. Mm -hmm. So that's that. I kind of define myself like that. And then also, I'm fully responsible for my life and the way that I show up and how I interact with it. And I'm a 10 out of 10. I'm living a 10 out of 10 life. Yeah. So that's how I define myself. So for me to be the difference that I want to be in the world, I have to be responsible for how I show up. Because yeah. that energy, I'm very big into the energy the vibration that we're putting out there yep. and what we're attracting. Cause I've, I've done a lot of that work and I've, mm. and I've got my own experience of the yeah, attra attracting wrong things in my life or situations, circumstances. They're not wrong, but they're not failing, but they're, they're experiences that, that had me grow through that time yep. to get to where I am right now. And, to, and for me to say that I'm living a 10 out of 10 life and I'm happier, more fulfilled and satisfied than I've ever been and I, get, I had a conversation this morning. They asked me, how am I? And I feel the best I've ever felt ever. Yeah. And that's how I feel today. Yes. That's today. So, so if, I, if I'm generating that for myself, that's yes. got to be available for other people. Yes. So then yes. what does that look like? Let's tap into that. What is that? Do you, do you think that's part of the sort of what's behind the, I guess, the crisis of confidence when some women and men get to late 40s, early 50s, and they've spent 30 years working towards that senior business role. And then I think we all wake up one morning or many of us and think that's actually not me. You know, I got stuck in a, stuck in a wheel for 30 years. I've achieved what I want to, to achieve, but it's defined me, but it isn't me. And, and you know, how do I start again at the age of 50 as a, as an entrepreneur or wanting to do a new job? What are, what are the first things these people or, or us need to do to do that? To really confront that is, it's a beautiful thing. And it's so confronting for people. But then here's that also another thing. So I'm 51, right? So then it's, I'm going to live till I'm 130. So I've got another 50 strong years left. So what, there's a great book called The 100 Year Life. And if they talk about, you may have three, four careers in your life. So it's having the, I think life is different now. Careers, but they're not a, they're not a life thing. Yeah, we're more transient. So then it's it's really finding yourself. Obviously, we've got we got bills to pay, we got mortgages to we got to deal with what we got to deal with in life. So we got we got to take care of business, so to speak, in that respect. But a lot of us are really waking up and are really aware of yeah, we got a lot we got a lot of years left, and I don't really want to be doing what I'm doing for the next 30, 40 years because that thing that you're doing now may not exist then anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So then it's having the, the ability to, to look at and consider what else is available. Where else could I transition into? First and foremost, go inside and look at yourself 
to get the happiness, fulfillment, and satisfaction within yourself, because then whatever you do, it doesn't really matter. Mm. If you've got to do whatever you've got to do to provide for yourself, your family, whatever that is, but then if you're happy, then we've got a very wise Irishman said to me, we was at a conference, we was at, we was at the bar, we was having a pint of Guinness, and he says, Billy, there's three things in life, just three things. You've got to have something to do, something to look forward to, and somebody to love. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's it. Yeah. You've got something to do. Yeah. You've got something to look forward to and love. Yeah. Those elements, if we can include mm -hmm. them in. Because so, I think a lot of us are in pursuit of things that, I don't know, I don't know what we're in pursuit of, but I think the Holy Grail, Nirvana, is the peacefulness of being happy, fulfilled, and satisfied. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sitting in there. So, yeah. so every, if I'm in there, then I'm, that's where I'm at. Yeah. And I've cracked, I've cracked the code. I've, I've cracked it. Yeah. And it's taken a long while to get here. Yeah. But it's available. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, at the end of each podcast, we have a new PL to the point where we invite guests to give listeners a couple of key takeaways that they would like to impart and, and ask listeners to hold on to and maybe use in their personal lives or, or their business. What would be those? one or two key takeaways from your perspective? Well, I've, I've created a seven-step winning formula, so I'll give you a few of those steps. So step number one is win or lose, you choose. Mm -hmm. So it's being mindful of the choices that we're making daily, moment by moment, because we are creating our realities. So what you focus on, you get more of. So where focus goes, energy will flow. Yep. To really be mindful of where you're placing your focus, your energy will then flow. A lot of us are focused on what we have or what we don't have or the past. So we have to choose to live into a future that is designed and created from us. Yes. So then we, if we focus into that future, because that's going to give us a certain way of being in this present moment, because win or lose, you do get to choose but we don't realize that we do choose to lose because we choose to lose by the actions that we take or the actions that we're not taking. Yeah. And in, um, a lot of the people that I work with, they want to lose weight. So they, they're choosing to lose their weight battle. They're choosing it by, they're choosing it to eat the wrong food or not exercise it. That's a choice. And then even thinking well, we don't have a choice. That's a choice. Yeah. So win or lose, you do get to choose. And that's, that's, Number one for me is that it's about designing and creating specifically your future in your mind that out, speak it out into the world, share it with people, then take the required actions moment by moment, daily moving towards somewhere, whatever that thing is you're looking to attain or the yep. lifestyle or the being, the happiness, whatever that looks like. And that's the thing to focus on. And definitely don't focus on your past or the stuff you don't like, because what happens is you get more of it. You get more of what you focus on. Yep. And that's, that's pretty much, that would be the biggest takeaway. Yeah. I mean, it, it all starts with choice, doesn't it? You, you make a choice. choice to step forward or step backwards. So in the morning, you choose yourself, you choose your day powerfully. Yep. So you choose everything. You choose your situation and your circumstances. You choose it. Whatever it may be, you choose it. Because then you've got the power. It doesn't own you. You own it. 
Yeah. That's what I've learned to do. Is if you take full ownership of everything in your life, then, you, then you're empowered. You've got the power. Otherwise, you're a victim. Because mm -hmm. you're either creator or you're the victim. So which one do you want to be? And if you start your day off with gratitude, you're, in the, you've got, you're on the front foot. You can drive the... You've got the power then. You've got your ownership of your day. Yeah. If you're doing that every day, you, you're going to get ahead. Billy, what was the, the biggest gift that boxing gave you? When you, when you look back at 51... What's the biggest gift that boxing has given your life? I'm persistent, I'm courageous, and I'm determined. Yeah. I, I won't ever give up. So that's, that's the, those attributes that that's given me has me be where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a, uh, that's a great moment to end upon. Thank you so much, Billy, for your time. It's been a great interview. It's great. Great to have this conversation with you. It's been really, really enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you. It's very inspiring for a Friday morning. Thank you. Thank you. So for all of those who would like to learn more about what Billy does, please go to Billy, B-I-L-L-Y-S-C-H-W-E-R.com. That's B-I-L-L-Y-S-C-H-W-E-R.com. And for all those who would like to learn a little bit more about the new PNL, please go to principlesandleadership.com. So before we go, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the podcast this week. It's Kamuka, a UK-based animation and design studio. You can check them out at kamuka.com, C-A-M-O-U-K-A.com. So I'm Paul from the new PNL. Thanks for listening and join us again soon.